Bear, bear, bear. Gently bear, bear, bear. Thanks for listening to Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast, exploring everything beer in Central Oregon, with your host, who's a Cicerone and the author of Oregon Breweries, Brian Yeager. Hello and welcome back to Grand Craft Beer. My name is Brian Yeager, and today I am joined by Vance Wirtz, who is the brewmaster over at McMiniman's Old St. Francis. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I did correct uh, pronounce your last name correctly. Is it Wirtz or is it Wirtz? It's Wirtz. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, I've never heard someone pronounce it that way. It actually sounds kind of cooler, actually. Right? Like <laughs> super German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like I'm an officer, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's Wirtz. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well... So, like I said, you get a brew over at Old St. Francis. I'm going to open. These guys wouldn't want their names mentioned, but I was recently talking to some really big beer fans in town okay, who were unaware that Old St. Francis has its own brewery. Oh, yeah. Which is sort of easy to imagine because it yeah. is down below. It's in the basement. Right. You don't see it, unlike yeah. some of the other McMinimins brew pubs. Totally. Uh, so, tell me about, like, first and foremost... When did you start there? Did you come from somewhere else? Right. Um, yeah, no, I started there in 2013. Um, I came in as Curly uh, Mike White, who's now the current uh, head brewer of Wild Ride right now, uh, started as an assistant and did that for about four summers. So came in as a home brewer initially. I was actually going to school at CUCC. I wasn't even remotely interested in brewing at the time or wow. even really had any idea that the craft beer scene and Bend was blowing up the way it was. 2013 uh, was really the oh, beginning yeah, it was of the it was, last huge yeah, the big boom. spike. Yeah. yeah, RPM was just right. on a tear, and Sun River was opening up and doing their thing, and there was just new breweries popping up everywhere. So it was a good time to get involved because a lot of places were eager to hire because they needed <laughs> the help, obviously. And then there was also a lot of people my age that were excited about trying to get involved because it was something new that was happening in Bend that was – wildly different than what the town was really known for obviously you had the shoots that had been established but i mean and bbc in like 96 but i mean the town was really becoming a beer town at that point certainly and people were recognizing that as well so it was just an easy thing to get excited about as a 22 year old you know going like oh god i gotta be a part of this i don't know care how i have to do it but i want to be a part of it um and so Long story short, my father uh, met Curly at a beer tasting at O'Kane's, and Curly had kind of casually mentioned the fact that, yeah, every summer we get some, like, seasonal help that comes in, and they kind of wash kegs and, you know, help me out wherever they can. And uh, I found out about that. I met Curly, um, and then long story short, uh, there I was down there in the basement with him uh, and brewing in there on the summertime, and that was always a gig from about May to October. And so I did that four years in a row. Um would come back every year and do that with him. Um, and then in 2016, I got hired by Ben Brewing Company and wasn't really planning on returning to McMinimins. I kind of felt like that was where I was going to stay at least for a while. And I was there about 10 months. And then Curly announced that he was leaving and going to Wild Ride. Wow. Um, and so the transition in terms of who they were going to hire next was kind of an easy one. They hit me up pretty much immediately and were like, hey, like he's leaving. Do you want, do you want the job? And I said, absolutely. Um, Fantastic. So ever since then, uh, the, the rest is history, right? So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> Very good. And what is it like? Now, interestingly, because you mentioned you were brewing over at, at BBC. Yeah. Were you at their production facility or the actual S- pub facility? Right. So they, did, they upstairs hadn't, they in the hadn't, attic, they hadn't purchased the production facility yet. Okay. That happened like right after I left. So what they were doing as like kind of like a in between solution uh, was they actually were renting out Silver Moon's Got brewery, it. 
And we were renting about uh, two fermenters, and then we would swap out and take turns and brew into the third fermenter with Silver Moon every other like week or so. But that was actually my job. So I actually brewed at Silver Moon pretty much exclusively. I worked in the pub a little bit. I would help them with like just random stuff that had to be done. But that actually kind of ended up being being my responsibility was that whole ten barrel brewery and just brewing on that and brewing one offs and then like uh, our new seasonal IPA, which was called Annex at the time. Uh, so I actually kind of felt more of like a Silver Moon employee sometimes than a BBC yeah. employee just because I was there uh, rubbing shoulders with those guys way more than I was the BBC guys sometimes. Um, I love how the Bend Brewing community is very cordially uh, incestuous. No, yeah, and, 100%. And the whole industry is. Yeah, no. And that's not typically normal, I don't think. I don't think so. Not not to the degree that we are. No, yeah. It's, which is really cool. Yeah, of course. There's a nice friendliness and camaraderie that goes around. It's it, We're obviously all competing, but I'd never gotten the vibe from anybody like, like oh, yeah, you can't talk to that person. You know, it's <laughs> right. like they're always, yeah, everyone's friendly and cordial and just admitting the fact we're all in the same trench trying to do the same thing. And most people are pub crawling or going from one spot to the next. So we can all kind of coexist to some extent, obviously. So And most of the players in town are of that size. Are you working on a on a seven or it's, a ten barrel? It's a down? six barrel system. Six barrel. So the fermenters are seven barrels, but like given the, the shape of the way they are, like it's better to do six barrels just because it'll just go out the top and make a big giant mess. Because of the way they're shaped. Now, it's like one of the other things that these guys who had confessed they didn't realize that that the beers at Old St. Francis are by and large brewed on site. Uh-huh. Uh, I know, obviously, some of the kegs probably like. Do you ever find yourself brewing Terminator or? Oh yeah, you do. You do brew no, Terminator I brew all the and Ruby. You brew. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, For some reason, I thought maybe those were coming off of a, a no, larger thing. No, I mean, so or from time to time. Uh, like if, especially in the summer, you know, mm-hmm. when it gets really busy, it's like, we've got five bars on property and I'm, there's a lot of times where I'm chasing my tail. So it's like, there, there definitely are, are several instances where like, I might hit the edge field up and be like, Hey man, can you send me six kegs of Ruby or whatever, or Terminator like, sure. to, to help out? But everybody in the company, all the small houses are required to brew the standards no matter what. So, okay. so which is why like you might, you might get a he- lot of variance, but obviously the water is different everywhere. Like everyone's process is maybe a little bit different than mine. So it's like you might go to one pub and maybe their hammerhead's a little drier. You know, you might go to another one and maybe their one has a little more body. Like it just kind of, you know, it's the way our brews are set up. It's not obviously, obviously automated in any way. So there's a lot of hands-on stuff. So allow some room for like a little bit of not necessarily human error, but just difference in how you do things. Um, but it's so. not like at, for example, Anheuser Busch, where no, multiple right. breweries, Correct. and they have to send in samples to make sure everyone is brewing the exact same Budweiser, right. like to a micro yeah, yeah, anything. Yeah. Uh, so your hammerhead and you know. I don't know, Jen Kent or someone. Yeah, who, right. No, the, the Thompson yeah. or Crystal, right. Anyone else's. The, the, the owners actually like that from what I understand. Cool. They, they like the fact that there's a little bit of variance. They wouldn't want every dead yeah. concert to have sounded identical. No. They want every pint of Ruby to taste to- identical. Totally. And it's not uh, so different that you're like, oh, these are wildly different beers. But like some of the the big Mick fans that are out there that have passports and go all over the place, like they, they pick up on it. Like, and they'll, they'll bring it to your attention. They'll be like, I actually <laughs> like so-and-so's Ruby at this spot a little bit more. I'd be like, all right, no, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you have that, just a little bit of variance from place to place. And again, water is the biggest thing that I've noticed. It's like the water, the edge fields playing with is wildly different than the water I'm playing with here. Like they have to do a lot more to it than I have to. Cause like our water here is so, 
clean. It's basically a blank slate for the most part, uh, which is awesome. Um, so great. It's part of the reason why I think beer obviously is flourishing here because it's like if that's where it all starts, if that the water's awesome, then obviously it makes great beer. Um, but yeah, so like you have that that difference from place to place. Every brewery is set up a little bit differently. Uh, so yeah, that I feel like for the most part, everything's pretty close, but like, again, there's those things where like you might go to one spot and maybe like their hammerhead tastes just a skosh more bitter than mine, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and maybe like that community there loves that. Right. Sure. So they might come here and they're like, the hammerheads kind of got a little bit of like, what's more dry. Like, I don't know. Like it's kind of, I don't know. Uh, and then be like, I don't know if I like that type of a thing. Right. So, uh, yeah. But have you done anything to personalize any of those core recipes no for the no pints. i try to i try to stick to like okay. a recipe i like I'm, i like feel like those are the beers that like i really try to make sure that i'm doing it exactly the way they want me to just because like i just said like if someone's coming from portland and they're drinking hammerhead and they've been having it for 15 years i want to try to hit that beat right as on. close as i can but at the same time like you had mentioned there are five different bars at Old oh Francis. yes 100 percent uh and I'm sure that like what's the what's the bar that has the most taps? Oh, the pub and fire. Okay, the main. Yeah, fire. okay, yeah. No, O'Kane's has only got uh, five, and one of those, you know, and then they also have a cider as well, and then uh, Broom Closet's only got three beers on there. So <laughs> Broom yeah. Closet, so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what is the number? Like, how many different beers do you have available at Old St. Francis across all those? Five pubs, uh, five bars. Oh, five bars. Uh, at any given point in time, it can be as many as 14, um, but it just depends. Because, like, there's a lot of similarity between, like, what the theater has and what the pub and fireside has. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, it's they're all kind of sharing. So, like, O'Kane's, we typically stick to, like, just three of the standards. So, like, Ruby, Hammerhead, and Terminator are always out there. And I usually try to put, like, a seasonal IPA on there. So it's kind of more of the core stuff. That's kind of what ownership wants anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Broom Closet is kind of more of a free-for-all um, where I try to, like, put stuff up there that's a little more unique, one-offs mostly whenever I can, stuff that, like, if you're going up to the cool special bar that you're hunting for and you're, like, visiting, like, you know, there should be cool stuff up there, at least sure. in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, and then the pub is kind of just a hodgepodge of everything, you know, and Fireside. So for those other 10 taps, do you have a direction that you personally like to go in, to brew in? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, totally. obviously, I've seen... Just a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I love my lagers, so I think, I think, I mean, that's every brewer, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but it's like, whenever uh, it's cool that that has come full circle and now it's cool to brew those because for a long right? time it wasn't. And I feel like I remember being like 23, 24 years old and like you just mentioning a lager to ownership or, or marketing was like, you could just feel everybody groan. <laughs> they were like, oh, dude. <laughs> You're going to make what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make a Hellas. They're like, oh, great. That's wonderful. You know? <laughs> and now everyone's like, awesome. That's that's fantastic. Now you could have a Hellas and a Kolsch yeah, yeah, and yeah. a, a and rice lager. And, and a, everyone's into it. Yeah. Exactly. And everyone's drinking it. So uh, Well, that said, I got to give you a shout, which I, I've probably said this to your face before or text or email. There were a couple visits when I went there and you had not one, not two, but Three different smoke <laughs> loggers. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone is into the Ralph no, beers. Right. But you yeah. literally, I've seen three different uh-huh. smoky beers on uh-huh. at once. Yeah, yeah. Where a lot of brewers would be afraid to have one on. You're like, oh, no, I'm for gonna sure. go big. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I feel like just because of our batch size, it's only six barrels, you know, it's like it's much easier to go through ten or twelve kegs. And obviously if you're Let's say you're Sun River and you're like doing thirty barrel batches. You're like, dude, we're gonna we can't sit on sixty kegs of smoke. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, like, like that's like that is not happening. 
Um, so it's a little, I think it's a little easier to go through stuff. And also just because of the, the nature of how small it is, like it doesn't hurt if, if I have 10 kegs to stick around for like a month and a half or two months versus if I have, like I just said, like a humongous amount. Uh, but also it just seems like people are into it. I've been getting mostly, if not exclusively positive feedback that everybody seems to be digging it. I've been trying to do stuff that is like good gateway styles too, like not doing like say like Alaskan brewing, like Imperial Porter. That's like 12% and right. also like smoked to high heaven. Right. You know, but I do love, love, love that beer. Oh no, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and that's kind of like where it all starts. Right. I mean, those beers that are, have been staples for a long time, but I, yeah, I've been trying to do stuff that's like lower ABV, like Hellas, Martson, you know, Dunkel, you know, stuff that's five to 6% that, has smoke character, but isn't like, oh, my God, like ashtray type of a thing. And the best thing about having those sort of lighter bodied beers, predominantly lagers like you're talking about, maybe even Rauch beers, smoke beers like I'm talking about, is just the experience of sitting at one of the the patio areas where you have those individual fire pits. I mean, a smoke beer oh, and yeah. a smoky Matches fire pit. The theme, yeah. But even if it's not a smoke <laughs> beer, it's still great. But sure. I love the smoke on smoke right. action. Getting two barrels. And of by it, being, yeah. you know, with like Bomberg obsession, like four nine, do I yeah, recall? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like four nine five. You could have, you know, uh, I go out for two pints usually, maybe three. But uh-huh. a beer like that, where it's a b- more sessionable sure. version of a of a pint. I mean, three pints sitting around there. Yeah. Uh, and sort of picking up the difference between the aromatic smoke in the air and then oh and what you're actually tasting exactly sure. you know it's probably tricking your brain a little bit too i have it is <laughs> but it's I, I love it all that said you have a really fun event coming up this yeah, weekend uh yeah. january 13th yeah uh tell us about the high gravity brew fest yeah so this is our 11th one um 11th annual uh, high gravity brew fest uh we're kind of keeping that same uh theme that we've done in the last three or four variations where we have collab brews that are kind of big part of the the theme of what's going on uh so this well, year why don't we start with the theme of high gravity oh, for explain sure. yeah, yeah. for listeners what a high gravity beer yeah, is. yeah versus... so obviously uh, the gravity being the viscosity of the wort as it's being measured during fermentation so high gravity just basically means bigger right bigger bolder uh more chewier alcohol. chunkier 100 yeah fill, just really bigger fills in every single more, possible yeah. way right you know and of uh, course i hand in hand with higher alcohol right correct <laughs> so because uh, alcohol is also flavor yeah, yeah. Oh, like butchers absolutely. will tell you fat is flavor, which is true. Brewers will tell you alcohol is flavor. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, the difference with what like an IPA tastes like at eight and a half percent, nine percent versus like a six percent beer is like night and day. You know, right. and depending on like what you want or don't want from that style of beer too. It's like for some people, they're like, oh, I love it. I personally think that like high alcohol and IPAs like really helps those hops pop, especially with hazies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so, like, with high gravity, it's just bigger, bolder, everything's uh, more intense. Alcohol is definitely a huge component of that. Uh, this year, it's not really a hard cutoff, but we try to have everything basically be, like, seven and a half and above for the beers. So nothing is really lower than that um, for the most part. So a lot of barrel-aged stuff, obviously, a lot of, like, big barley wines. So if you can't, if you're stats. going... Try to walk there. Yeah. If you drove there, make <laughs> yeah. sure you can walk home. Yeah, have a plan. <laughs> have a plan in place. Yeah, no, for sure. But uh, once drink you're lots there. of water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eat, <laughs> eat food. Yeah, pace yourself. Like, don't, you know, don't. I could uh, verify that uh, a big heaping mound of 
Cajun Tots is the perfect oh, accompaniment go. 100%. to high gravity yeah, yeah. brew fest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just have like a big bucket of those in one hand and then a pine glass. Oh. <laughs> you guys should work on that. Like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. A trough that you wear around your neck. Yeah, there you go. You'd... Like instead of the pretzels, it's right. just the tots. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Uh, but yeah, no, so it's just a big, bold beers of, of all kinds. Uh, there's like no style restriction. It's just uh, anything that's high gravity, high ABV, like we want it. So this year we really tried to focus on getting a lot of local breweries this year. Um, trying to like, especially with so many new things that have popped up, obviously with Van Henyan opening up and mm-hmm. then Funky Fauna, my, my buddy Mike over there. Well, um, I will tell you last year, the collaboration that you did with Funky Fauna. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was, you know, they were... They were one year old at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was one of my favorite and most memorable beers in a lineup where they're all so good. Because, uh-huh. again, these are really hugely flavorful beers. Totally. And everyone's in a good mood. Yeah. And you're walking around. <laughs> right. and everyone, you know, By the end, everyone's in a much better mood. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you come back every 30 minutes. Everyone totally. progressively <laughs> is happier and happier. Yeah. That is, that is true. <laughs> Uh, so how many breweries are are participating this year, including all the collaborations? Oh, uh, so I guess technically it would be uh, 24 beers total, uh, and then five of those are collabs. Um, and then the five collabs this year was Sun River, um, Irrelevant Beer, which is a new brewery that's opened up in Portland. Oh. Uh, really stoked about. Uh, Relevant or Irrelevant? Irrelevant. I have uh, not even heard of them. Yeah, so. no, it's um, cool. I'm really glad to have them be a part of it because uh, so my buddy Sebastian, uh, he's the co-owner. Uh, he was the former head brewer of Trapdoor. Oh yeah, and then uh, that was a Vancouver yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he started the cold brew coffee thing. He's been over at the coffee side, so they actually have two sides to their business. So the the coffee side is called Relevant, and the beer side is Irrelevant. I love it. I well, love as it, someone yeah. who puts on a coffee beer festival, clearly he's uh, now automatically invited no i know i was actually talking to him about that i was like did you did you know about baker's dozen and he was like no i'm like it wasn't on my radar i'm like okay well you obviously have to be a part of that he's in (laughs) (laughs) i was like you have your own like coffee side and beer like i feel like that's a no-brainer and to the best of my knowledge that makes them only the second oregon brewery to do both beer and coffee. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, you know, for a short while, Portland had a Modern Times. That is now gone. Oh, they right. roasted their own. Gotcha. But uh, that that is the number one reason McMinimins is grandfathered into the event is because you have both sides. Oh, yeah. And you get to play you no, know, totally. with them. And, and Chris, you know, for the Portland version of it, is always there pouring uh-huh. cold brew. So yeah, yeah. I love that, that you – and obviously, I, I don't know if you would have heard this, but a couple weeks ago – uh, I had Shannon McMiniman on the podcast. Oh, nice. Okay. And and Rob Balance as well. Oh, right. Okay. And we just got to talk a lot about a, a lot of things, including all the different beverages. Incidentally, do you exclusively brew beer or do you ever get to or have to make a cider, for example, or maybe oh, a hard right. seltzer or anything that's not beer? Yeah. Uh, the cider is uh, 100% produced just in the at the Edgefield okay. um, just because the winery has all the the equipment to kind of manage that um the seltzer thing we are playing around with some test batches of those and some of the smaller houses uh i think at some point i probably will be making those as well they're kind of like playing around with that right now trying to from what i understand they've produced one they're really into that's like a raspberry uh lemon thing or whatever that they're super stoked on i'm digging have you tried yet the, the hop water uh what do you yeah i forgot the name of the the hot water that's a, a riff off of ruby yeah, yeah. sparkling no, ruby no right yeah, yeah i think, it's, I think that's really what they yeah yeah uh, no it's delicious uh, so good no i yeah, honestly it was kind of funny uh 
I didn't realize we were dabbling in that, and then it showed up, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna try this. And it's yeah, a it was, zero, you know, for some people who whether it's for this month, dry January, yep. whether they save it for whatever yeah, yeah. the October version is, the silly names. Uh, in, sorry, in my opinion, um, <laughs> but I don't. I don't. Would I would never take a month off of. From beer, <laughs> it'd but be tough. It'd be tough. I could take yeah. a meal off. Sure. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I personally am not a fan of any NA beers, non-alcoholic oh, okay. beers. But I really love the hot water space. Gotcha. Because it's flavored. Sure. And whereas the NA beers, in my opinion, are not they're they're not beer. I don't know. Yeah. They're a little off. But this has the right. It has the it has hops in it, but it also has raspberry. In right. It. So when you're drinking a sparkling. Ruby, mm-hmm. it's zero sugar, zero carb, zero alcohol, but it still has a distinctive whiff suggestion totally. of yeah, actual yeah. Ruby, oh, the right. beer, you know. No, 100%. It's a, I think that's one of the better hot waters out there. Oh, right on. Um, I haven't tried a, a ton of those. I've had a couple from Pelican that I thought were pretty Pelican's good. Pelican is good, yep. Um, and then I know that it's funny because like now you have some places that are doing alcoholic like hop waters, Aye. which is like I, <laughs> seems of kind course. of like self defeating. But <laughs> if if, uh, if White Claw could come out yeah. with an NA White yeah, Claw, yeah, then yeah, why yeah. can't the brewers do an yeah, anyway? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a vicious cycle. Yeah, no, it's like uh, we'll just take the same idea and just turn it on its head. Uh, like None I of which the same will way be about at... alcoholic kombucha. You know, yeah. it's like the same thing where I was like, wait a minute, I thought the whole point of this was that it wasn't supposed to have alcohol. In it. But but I don't know if you ever made a kombucha down there. No, yeah, no, most of that stuff uh, gets produced at the edge field uh but it does sound like in the not so distant future i think that's going to be at least the hard seltzer thing will be a part of something that we're all producing just because obviously there's a demand for it it's not going away so but at high gravity fest you must 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 hydrate so maybe you know yeah yeah a a pint of water after a few tastes and then go order a a sparkling ruby no 100 percent yeah, get, yeah. don't uh, just go all in it all at once and then just uh, regret it an right. hour later. <laughs> it, it, right. You want to be there for more than an hour. We've had we've had, had some interesting uh, cutoffs in the past just because, oh, like, yeah? you know. Ooh, tell us about some. Oh, well, Come no. On. It's just more of, like, just surprising <laughs> that it's happening this soon into the festival. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not necessarily someone making a scene. It's just, like, you know, we're all getting the tap on the shoulder, like, hey, the first cutoff happened, and you're like, it's 2.30. <laughs> but they sneak up on people no, if they're absolutely, not absolutely. really hyper vigilant about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially people that are getting exposed to some of those bigger pastry beers that taste like candy. You know, they're like, this is fantastic. This can't be alcoholic. This can't it's, be 12%. Yeah, I'm like, like, it absolutely dessert. is, dude. <laughs> what are some of the specific beers uh, in the lineup uh, that you're excited about? Whether they're oh, labs yeah. that you were involved in or ones that other people told you they're bringing? Totally. Uh, I'm really excited. So uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Dave Coyne, who's former brewer of Fort George, he just started his own brewery in Astoria as well called Obelisk. Obelisk. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been there yet, but yeah. it's on my radar. I know. Same sure. here. It's definitely, I think this spring I'm going to try to get over there. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, he's uh, sending a beer and I've been like poking at him for a while now because like he just got things off the ground about a year and a half ago, I feel like. Uh, and it sounds like he got his first official batch in tank like a couple weeks ago finally got off the, the brewery off the ground and is brewing um so he's sending a beer so i'm really excited that that's happening just because i've been watching did he tell you what yes the beer it's a black is? barley wine okay yeah, Ooh. Yeah. oh yeah no i'm really excited to try it so uh that's probably we call definitely... that a cascadian barley wine oh there you go a cda yeah, <laughs> a yeah, cbw yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the new trend, man. Of course you it just, is. You just discovered it. There you go. <laughs> but then there'll be a hazy, cold, Cascadian. Right. There you go. Brute barley wine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With terpenes added <laughs> yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 basically where we're at. You right could now. mock that, but out of all the silly trends, 
that might have been my favorite. What's that? Oh, the terpene? For that brief moment before oh, okay. the FDA told uh-huh. brewers you can't use cannabis uh-huh. terpenes. Yeah. Not that it was contributing actual THC or any no, not at all. psychedelic, psychotropic, no. whatever yeah, element, yeah, yeah. but the flavors. Totally. They I mean, were wild. It was, and especially because they kind of predated cryo hops and those sure. uh, no. intense concentrated hop flavors. Yeah, So no. maybe you don't need hop uh, uh, cannabis terpenes because the new concentrated products in the hop world yeah. kind of replicate uh, that. Yeah, no, I just uh, wrapped up a collab with the shoots and uh, he actually had a bunch of like fruit-derived uh, terpenes Whoa. that, uh, I kid you not, a couple of them, like I swear they, they smelled like bong water. It blew me away. I was like, dude, this is But intense. you have to add in a good way. No, right. <laughs> Correct. Sorry. I Someone's going to hear that and go, well, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't want that. But no, like that really intense, you know, cannabis smell that, you know, that you expect or whatever, like it was there and I was like, this is derived from mangoes. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And like, is that going to be, is that collab at High Gravity? Yes. All yes, right. Correct. I will um, definitely be. No, that was great. Trying uh, that. I got to go there and brew with uh, Verno. Shout out to Verno uh, on their uh, pilot system. Super cool. That's one of the more impressive breweries I've seen in a while. I mean, their whole facility is impressive, obviously, but that pilot system is a trip. I mean, it's just like if no, if money's no object and you give a brewer the keys, <laughs> right? It's just that's what it is. And How big is that system? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's like a two and a half barrel system. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty tiny. I would have thought they would have gone maybe five. Oh, you know, right. But... Um, yeah, no, super small. Um, but what's cool is it's got uh, two separate whirlpool vessels and two kettles, so you can divert the same batch into two different vessels and basically doctor up them differently. So you can have the same beer with slight you know, changes, whether from a hop schedule standpoint or maybe yeast or whatever, which is what we got to do, which is super cool. So we did a Doppelbach with Meadow Foam Honey that we used two different yeast strains. So we did an Ondex yeast strain, and then we did uh, Harvest, which I believe is Augustiner. Um, but yeah, so we got to take the same beer to do different things to it, and then we'll get to compare and contrast and then decide if we want to do a blend or just send one or the other. Um, but yeah, really cool, really cool brewery. Well, that's great because as a lager loving brewer, <laughs> yeah, right. you wouldn't not many people would think that there would be any loggers at a high gravity oh, festival. Sure. But a Doppelbach, oh yeah, that's yep, it's in there, man. It's the world's OG oh, high sure. gravity beer. Uh huh. You know, and when they're, I mean, that's one of my favorite styles to drink around this time of year. Obviously, it's getting colder. It's like you want that big, thick, viscous, you know, well-lagered beer that has a lot of malt character and all that mallier deliciousness. So, Well, I'm not prepared to announce it. I am working on an event. You know I do these ridiculous ultra-niche beer festivals. <laughs> there will be one centered around box uh, oh, in right. about a year. Like okay. We're looking at, right at fall of 2024. Okay. Well, I'm sure but that, well. that will be... Uh, if it's either still around or you guys would rebrew it, sure, it would be great. One of the other questions I really wanted to ask, as you're talking about, especially when you could split uh, even a, a a small pilot batch, yeah, yeah, two and a half barrels, you know, one and a half in each goes to each side. What is it like? You know, I I know very well what it's like to do a hop edition, uh-huh. uh, both on the you know the early side of the boil and late edition, and right. steep in a giant bag for you know cold side hopping but how what is the method for adding these fruit derived terpenes are they is it a powder is it a Uh, liquid yeah the stuff he was showing me was like a super concentrated liquid that was like in really small vials and if i remember correctly the dosage rate was like a a little bit of it goes a long way Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'm assuming uh, that because I know he was saying that they have uh, some sort of a, a terpene in uh, Symphonic Chronic, which is like one of their new Imperial IPAs. I've had it. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, a doozy. Solid. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it'll get you there. That's for sure. And they um, only, I believe they only sell it in the 19.2 ounce stovepipe cans. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, they're like, yeah. Hey, guess what? Why don't you have four beers in one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're like, you better not have any responsibilities later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So I, from what I understand, that's uh, that's a aspect of that beer that they have incorporated in it and i think it like does wonders for that beer like i don't get like super like cannabis you know big vibes but that dank herbalness that nice pine coming through that tastes or smells like hop character but it's obviously uh terpene derived flavor so uh super awesome i feel like if the industry keeps doing that i mean who knows what's gonna happen <laughs> it's like if, we're, if that's the direction we're going is just like get whatever potent flavor we can and just and throwing it in there, then there, here we go. <laughs> it, it sort of, it, it almost seems like a way to appease both the brewers and the consumers. Totally. Obviously the consumer always wants something new, something they've never had something before. Bold, something they yeah, can different, yeah. Tick off on an app and go, okay, I had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to a degree, the brewers probably love having new. Uh, oh, yeah colors on their palette or whatever oh yeah metaphor. anything that makes the brain turn right you know <laughs> yeah. and to you know, spark new ideas yeah especially in in this line of work it's like that's kind of the most fun part of it right you know because otherwise there's a lot of stuff that just is a daily grind right where you're always brewing obviously whatever your company standards are those little cool fun things that are adding a curveball to the mix always makes things you know more exciting and i was really when you know Every brewery in this day and age, or nearly every brewery, is really focused on innovation and experimental oh, sure. and, you know, things like that. But at the same time, McMinniman's, you know, now 40 years old. Mm -hmm. You guys were doing that before other breweries were oh, even right. yeah, yeah. thinking about before opening. Before it was cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the OG. Uh, yeah, no, I mean that... From what I understand, it's like uh, they used to do a beer every year where like it was kind of just a big group thing and they would put all kinds of random things in the kettle. <laughs> everything from like chocolate bars to uh, spirits, you know, like random things that they were attached that they were attached to that had sentimental value, whatever. Um, Amazing. Yeah, no, it was almost kind of like a, almost kind of like a seance kind of a thing. Right. It was like every, all these people that all were sharing the same trench. Were like, like stone soup. Yeah, no, 100 percent. Um, and getting together and just not caring what the outcome was. Um, from what I understand, it's like they had some of those that were, you know, not so flattering. And then some were like, well, oh, yeah. my God, this is crazy. <laughs> I can't believe how good this turned out. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely more of like kind of like that witch's cauldron brew thing, right? Like just not caring and just seeing like what happens when we do this type of a thing. Super fun. Well, yeah, speaking yeah. of spirits, because McMinimins has a distillery, mm -hmm. how easy or difficult it is, is it for you to get a hold of some of those unique barrels? Um, it's, Whether it's Hogshead whiskey right. or some of the more interesting flavored rums and, yeah. and other things that get you know uh, uh, it's, barrel aged, it's relatively uh, not that difficult as long as I make sure to give uh, like my boss like plenty of a heads up, like hey, I'm gonna brew this beer at this time and I kind of want to get a barrel around this time type of a thing. I actually just pulled one uh, about two months ago that was actually last year's collab with Ben Brewing Company. That was a Doppelbach. That I threw in a port barrel, and that sat for about eight months, and then I pulled that guy. It's actually on tap right now, if you guys want to hey. go check it out. <laughs> it's called Basement Therapy. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so for the most part, it's been relatively easy. Um, and they, they're doing a lot of experimenting over there. It's like they were playing around with uh, some 15-gallon barrels that held, like, a much, a much smaller content, but the, the contact is much better, so the age kind of is more apparent in less time. So... 
played with like four of those a couple years ago. That was kind of cool. Just stashed those away, like, and just kind of forgot them about them. And then a year later, pulled them. Um, yeah, for the most part, they've been, they're always super accommodating. They usually give us a heads up on what's going to be getting pulled out of barrel and what's available and everything from pork barrels to whiskey to uh, rum as well, obviously. So yeah. anything in the lineup uh, for high gravity that people should look for? That is barrel aged from those guys. Is specifically in a, in a McMinniman's oh, wine yes. or uh, spirit I be- barrel. Yeah, I believe uh, Nate from the Crystal uh, is sending something that was barrel aged from the. Oh distillery. yeah, how many other McMinniman breweries get to submit beers for high gravity? Oh, uh, it, it it's different every year. We kind of just basically get like a, a general head count and idea of like, hey, like who's got something that they're stoked on that's high gravity that they want to send. And then we kind of just go from there. Some years we get a lot and some years it's just a couple. It just kind of depends on what everybody's doing, which is different all the time, obviously. So uh, I think this year we've getting, we're getting three, but we've gotten as many as like six or seven. The Edgefield usually always sends a couple because they have Longest Night they do every year, which is like their big barrel aged barley wine. And then uh, Blackest Heart is the other one that they do. It's like a cherry chocolate coffee barrel-aged stout that oh, they do. Oh, they bottled that at least once or twice, right? Oh, is yeah, that no, the one that I've had? Been, yeah, they've been yeah, doing that's... it for a cup for about like five or six, seven years now, I feel like, or maybe even longer. Yeah, they, it's like always around this time they release and is it. And it, is it like an Imperial Black Widow that is the base? I don't think so. I'm pretty okay. sure it's its own thing. Okay. Um, but I'm not – I'm pretty sure it's it's its own thing. I only like, thought they do a, they the do a barrel-aged and, Black Widow, you know, too. So yeah. Um, and I, that usually only goes out to, uh, their, their bars there on the, at, like on property. But, uh, as far as I know, yeah, Blackest Heart is its own beer. Um, but yeah, I look forward to that one every year just because they, they kill it. It's just a big, ridiculous, uh, delicious pastry beer that's got coffee, chocolate, cherries. I mean, and it's, it is amazing. it's Christmas time. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's what you're eating anyway. So, uh, everything that's bad for you. So why not, why not make it a beer? <laughs> it's, I mean, as someone who tries to control the bad things, you know, I throw that right? out. The, yeah. I absolutely throw it out the window for the entire month, of, you know, from, oh, from right. Thanksgiving to New Year's. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Totally. that's maybe what the, the best and the worst part of the season is, is getting to do those. 100%. And then that's the only downside to high gravity is like, all right. I'm going to make this resolution <laughs> less than two weeks later. No, yeah, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> and then here comes the, the, the temptation coming your way immediately right after like, hey, not yet. Right. Yeah. Now you say <laughs> that for next month. Yeah, they should yeah. just say dry the dry month for February. Yeah, the short yeah. it's one. The shortest month. The easiest yeah, one. Not yeah, the, I know. Well, I don't know who the powers that be are that that created that, but we'll. Oh right. We'll work on getting them to move it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> or maybe like you know just uh, you know late December ish like whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, it is funny though. It, there is. You have people that are hanging out. I've seen it every year. There's people that are hanging out with friends that are not drinking, and it's because they're they're going dry for the month. And they're like, and they'll joke like all the time. They're like, "Why are you guys doing this now?" And it's like, "Well, I mean, it, makes, it made sense at the time." Maybe you sparkling know, like, ruby sales will yeah will, yeah no, will spike exactly. in January. Well, I mean, big high gravity beers goes well with winter time. So I mean, it there does. Really it isn't is, a be, you know exactly it's the best time to do that. Especially if we had such a mild December. Oh yeah, I know. Even today, I mean, you know, my goodness. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. At this point, like. It, the schedule is what it is, and you know, right. it matches the season and all that good stuff. So, so whether it's uh, freezing out or not, uh, right? And we a, have it's had a great that day, for yeah. Sure. Like I think two years ago, it was just dumping snow, and it was just a winter wonderland out there. And I assume uh, uh, guests, people who are coming for the festival, don't get to help themselves right into the soaking. 
oh. pool after like they would all want. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that hallway is just going to be pure chaos, I'm sure. Like, I feel like every high gravity, like walking through there between hotel guests that are just trying to get back there and people that are just trying to use the restroom, it's just <laughs> chaos back there. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I can't imagine that we're going to allow too many people to overindulge and then jump in the soaking tub right afterwards. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. in, telling us about, obviously, how you got started at Old St. Francis and what people can expect at the festival on Saturday. 100%. Thanks for having me. You bet. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Beer, beer, beer. Thank you for listening to the Grand Craft Beer Podcast with yet another voice from Central Oregon's homegrown beer community. We hope you'll share this episode and subscribe so you never miss a beer-soaked conversation. For questions, comments, or suggestions, contact host Brian Yeager via Facebook, Instagram, or X, all with the handle at Grand Craft Beer, all one word. Cheers! <laughs>